they've had mountain peaks and they've had valley lows. They've started off slow, faced some tough teams, bounced back, got momentum, dropped some more games, bounced back, got some momentum, and now here we are. It's like I feel like we're at another low, but we have an opportunity to come back. And that's what we've been talking about in just about every episode is that the opportunities that not only the men's team, but also the women's team. to Emerald Sports episode six. Uh, I am here with Carlos Pimentel, my co-host, my name, Brennan Ferber. I would hope you know that by now if you're one of our hollowed listeners. Uh, we are in a very exciting time right now. Basketball is ramping up. We're starting to finish up the regular season. Diamond season is upon us officially. Um, but right now we're just going to talk some Ducks. Women's basketball, they took care of business like we expected them to with two consecutive wins against UCLA and Cal Berkeley. The scores there were 67 to 53 and 52 to 47, both in the Ducks' favor. They then faced number two Stanford, which is a game that we anticipated very highly. It was very highly anticipated across the Pac-12. And unfortunately, they could not get the W. They lost 66 to 62. Despite that, they remain at number 25 and are right in the thick of things with two games left in the regular season. Carlos, what did the Ducks show you against Stanford that makes you optimistic for the tournament? Right off the back, what makes me optimistic is that they've been in and out of that top 25 ranking for the past few weeks. You know, we saw them in the top 25. They held it there when they were putting together this kind of win streak going forward. And then this uh, the Oregon State rivalry kind of jumped them in and out of that top 25. But seeing them back in the top 25, I think that Stanford loss and the game itself kind of put that. 20, number 25 in their in their category. So I think going forward, I'm looking at the tournament, you know, like this right there, you know, number two team in the nation. We're looking at the best team in the Pac-12. We give them a run for their money. And not only a run for their money, like throughout the entire game, we were leading, you know, a majority of the game, excuse me, we were ahead. We We had their upper hand. Now, the end of the game kind of went their way, which is okay because we took care of two of the three, two for one. The one that you can't or the one that you are able to drop is the Stanford game when you're when we were recapping it. Rogers launches off the mark and that does it. Stanford stays undefeated in the Pac-12. So I'm I'm excited to see where where we're looking at for these next couple games. And more importantly, is that the team is actually um scoring more so the this Stanford game and the two previous games I've seen the guards play more importantly Tahina Pow Pow has been dropping 20 bombs like they're nothing and then Niara getting back to where she wants to be so losing to Stanford is okay when it was a score like this and a game like that but I'm excited to see where this goes in the future and with tournament time coming up big time yeah I mean it's stung you know that would have been a 
a big statement win if they were able to pull it out. But like you said, you're not going to see a lot of more th- tough opponents than Stanford coming up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I think they're starting to, you know, two games left. They've kind of reined in everything. Sabali's getting more minutes. She looks healthy again. Uh, they're preparing for this run. Uh, just to get into the recap a little bit with Stanford, you know, I I really don't think this was that bad of a loss because... I mean, a lot of things were just out of the Ducks' control. There was an absolute circus shot at the end. I believe it was by uh, Stanford guard Haley Jones. I don't know. I mean, and one. There were a lot of fouls um, that that they let slip away. But, I mean, the shooting, we've seen it kind of be inconsistent. They came out of their funk completely. Pow Pow played exceptional, 23 points. Sydney Parrish, who's been kind of non-existent, came out of her funk. She scored 13. Uh, but I think what happened ultimately is they got beat down low. Sobley and Prince were neutralized they only had 11 points between the two and like i said Haley jones she popped off 18 points and nine boards and some incredible incredible shots and i just i mean there's not a lot you can do there right and we talked about before this game is that stanford kind of has that that big set i mean we don't really see that a lot through the pac 12 we've talked about that in previous episodes that a lot of guards have been dominating especially on the women's side the guards have been kind of the the forefront players taking over the pac 12 um but like seeing stanford and giving them a good run like this could potentially be a team depending how the brackets go this could potentially be a team that we see I mean, we'll have the Pac-12 tournament, of course. Um, we'll we'll have a good seed there. We may potentially see them in the finals, but also in the national tournament, this is another team that we could match up against. So, like we like you said earlier, is this was a good experience to kind of face this tough team and the and the the coverage. You know, this was a nationally te- televised game. This was a huge game for not only the. Uh, the women's team for Oregon, but the women's team for Stanford too. They had a lot to lose. They came out on top. I'm I'm more or less like I don't really take this loss as hard as you know it's as more of a learning opportunity. Definitely, especially for Tahina Paupau, who I mean I don't mean to de- be- uh, beat a dead horse, but she's been inconsistent. You know, a lot of peaks and valleys. She'll go lights out, drop a twenty bomb, and then she'll go like oh for twelve. And not get anything. So the fact that she was able to do this against a Stanford team, if she can string together some of these performances against these tournament teams, it's going to be huge because we know Sabali is going to step up and rise to the occasion. We know that, you know, Sedona Prince, some of these upperclassmen, India Rogers coming from a program like USC, she's going to be ready to go. So it's hard to forecast because from game to game, week to week, I mean, it's so difficult to predict this team, any college team really, you know, I mean, because these are you know, I don't want to say kids, but they're young adults. Uh, But Stanford, like you said, is very versatile. On paper, they're like a four guard team, but they don't have any players other than I think their point guard that is under six foot. So that's really hard to defend. Uh, You know, I think that the Ducks are kind of, I mean, they can do a lot of things, but they're kind of schematically one dimensional in terms of what lineup they roll out. So I think as you know, this was a mismatch going into it, but the fact that they were able to keep it so damn close is just so impressive to me. And I mean, it's it's a good loss. There's not a lot of good losses, but this was a good loss. Yeah, most definitely. And looking forward, the the like defensive adjustments that we're going to be able to make off of a, a, a loss like this, because looking back at the season, a lot of the teams that we have faced, like our defense is something that I've been hyping on. But also it's like the crucial defensive mistakes that we make are the uh, the mistakes that really 
made us lose the games that we lost. I mean, our offense was, was struggling in certain aspects, but those, I mean, offensive, we can, we've talked about and we've seen our offensive players can really get going at any moment. So I think when you key in on the defensive side of things, I mean, we said before defense wins championships. So if we can kind of take what we did from this loss and go forward, I mean, I see us red hot and rolling. Big time. What they're going to need is bench production, though. I mean, this goes for the the women's and the men's team, which, boy, we're going to get into that later. But the women's team, you know, other than Sedona, I mean, Kylie Watson played 15 minutes and had five personal fouls. That's tough because, like we said, those fouls are what kind of put Stanford ahead. We're looking at a four-point margin, and, I mean, they got to the line 24 times, and we're 70.8, so... You know, I mean, that's percentage-wise not incredible, but when you're getting that many opportunities, that's tough. And in the tournament, you can't just be playing the same five players. You got to mix it up a little bit, you know, stay fresh. But, I mean, these next two, uh, they're road games. Stanford was was the closer at Matthew Knight, but they have Colorado, who we have not seen this season, and Utah, who they beat earlier. So hopefully we should know what to expect heading into that game. But what do you think of the of the Colorado game? Do you think that's a win? Do you think there's anything that they should look for i think colorado is actually one of the most interesting matches matchups that we've had this year so far because it's going to be similar to ucla you know they've played only a number of games and we've only we haven't been able to see them and it's going to be on the road and if the if the women's can attract a, a crowd anything similar to the men's it's going to be a little difficult and the women's team has struggled a little bit on the road so this this matchup is actually really exciting to me because it's a team that we haven't seen it's on the road and this is the final push i mean we've been talking about we mentioned you know it's the last two games we are kind of pushing for that that higher seed in the Pac-12 tournament which really matters a lot when it comes to the tournament time so i'm excited to see where where we match up do you mind hit me with uh colorado's record so far this year i would love to yeah they're 7 and 7 in conference uh we're kind of seeing where the chips are going to fall standing wise the ducks are tied for second uh so colorado i mean they're in the middle i don't think they have much to play for which is dangerous because we do so the Ducks definitely cannot overlook them, but they've played tougher. Utah's seven and six. That's they're very much improved from where we played them earlier in the season. And that was a close game. I want to say it was like 80 to 77. We were both there. So yeah, but I mean Colorado, they don't really have a guard threat. So it doesn't matter if we don't shoot well, I would hope. Uh I I expect Sabali to go to work. She's getting more and more minutes since coming back. Yeah, both of these both of these games are both you know they're they're pretty similar. You know, we're we're facing those those mid pack teams, which we've been talking about in previous episodes. Like these are you got to win the mid pack teams when you're a top pack team. You're facing these uh, two mid pack teams on the road, and you know we have more to lose than these two teams. You know, we have a lot more at stake. And like I said earlier, that number twenty five is sitting next to our name. And that that should mean a lot, especially when you've been bouncing back and forth outside of that ranking system, is that that number should really mean a lot to you when you're on the team and when you're rooting for the team. So these two teams are actually potentially could be our two biggest challenges of the year because we are facing, we have more to lose, we're on the road, and these two games could have implications in the tournament, in both tournaments. So I think these two games are really, really exciting and really crucial. And there are, there's a lot to look forward to in these two games. Big time. 
just hypothetically, knock on wood, knock on wood, if they were to drop a game, how badly do you think that would affect, uh, we've been saying their resume, you know, for the tournament? Uh, is that something that is, you know, would be devastating or no sweat? I mean, any loss at this point, because we've built the resume that we've built and we've gone through the struggles that we've had through the season, any loss is going to, you know, it's going to be a knock on our resume, no matter what. I mean, committees are going to look for it. People are going to be watching for that, especially somebody like Stanford and some and some other teams that are, you know, fighting for a higher rank. They're going to be looking for that. I think if we drop Utah, it won't be as crucial as a Colorado drop. I because agree. because it is a team that we haven't seen before, Colorado. So that is kind of the team that you 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 really got to focus in, work hard and take advantage of the mismatch. But Utah, you know, if you split a series, I think that it's really it's it's not as bad as maybe some other people may think. When you split a series, it's 1-1, it's 50%, you know, it's a, it's a coin flip. And I'm willing to take that chance of the 1-1 split than dropping against a team that we haven't seen because that is a team that we potentially could see in the next in the next part of the season in the second in the second tier definitely and if they beat colorado that's only two conference losses uh you know uh, considering teams that they've beat you know they've had more but uh the only teams that they haven't beat in conference are arizona arizona state arizona's eight they're right on our heels they're sitting at nine and five and then Wazoo is 10 and 5. They're actually tied with the Ducks, but I mean that was the 83 to 30 blowout. So I agree. I think Colorado is a game. It's on the road and you have said, you know, you touched on it. They've been struggling a little bit on the road, but if they win that, I think we're we're looking good. I think they're set up beautifully. You'd love to beat Utah, get some momentum going into the tournament, but I feel a lot more comfortable with the women's team than the men's team. I will say that with 100% certainty. I agree. And when, now that we're transitioning into that, there are similar things in both teams. And what I've seen in both teams is that the bigs struggle at times and also the the inconsistent play of the guards. Those two have been kind of let's let's put excuse me, let me put Nyara in a different in a different category. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh we're looking at um, bench production, um, bench production from the bigs and the second, you know, the second, uh, group that comes in and the guard production from who's supposed to be our two scores. Those two aspects have really dampered or put a damper on the two teams. I think they both, uh, shared that some, uh, similar aspects of what they need to work on and what have kind of brought their, their season down a little bit. What's killing both teams is just inconsistencies. It's inconsistencies from shooting. It's inconsistencies with like confidence, it looks like. You know, I just, it's so hard to to guess what we're going to get because when the teams are on, they are on. You know, we'll, we'll dive into the men's here a little bit. Things are not looking up for them right now. They're one and three over these last four games. And their next two are against ranked opponents in UCLA and USC. They got rolled by Arizona State, 81 to 57, uh, looked a little better against Arizona, which kind of mimics, you know, the women's team against Stanford. Good loss, still a loss, but they were able to escape the desert. They were not able to escape the desert with a win. Sorry, mixed that up. Uh, but was this the final nail in the coffin for them, do you think? Is there any, ch- is there any breathing room? 
we, I mean, we have to go, we have to go two and O that, that is, that is, there is no breathing room at all. If we drop, I honestly think if we drop one of these games, we're, we're not making it to the big tournament and unless, unless exactly we're looking at an NIT bid, unless we get that magical bid by winning the the Pac-12 tournament, which is the only option mm. that I think we have left unless we sweep the go for the the season sweep on the two LA teams. Now touching on Arizona State, we I mean we talked about it that going on this road trip is going to be their hardest test of the season and it showed. One Arizona State or excuse me, one both both games were nationally recognized games. They were both the t- the two games of the of the week like the college college basketball games. Um and Arizona State they they played to that potential. They played out of their mind. I don't think I've seen a Pac-12 team play like Arizona with the with the fire that they've played with mm-hmm. and also their shooting was incredible. They were they were playing lights out. Guys on their team were stepping up like they've never stepped up before in the season. So they came with passion and the desire to to put a stomping on us and they ended up doing it. They did. I mean, three of their starter uh, starters scored in double digits, but the Ducks were just atrocious f- shooting. I mean, it, it, we've seen it, and the struggles continued. They were nineteen point two percent from three. They lost in the paint. They got outbounded forty to twenty nine. Something that I have been begging for is more ball movement. Still nothing. Just more ISO ball. They only recorded nine assists, and it wasn't even an issue of turnovers. They had twelve, but I mean, this team has had more and come away just fine. I mean, it was just a poor performance across the board, but this one, this was one you could not lose. You know, and now they're looking at, like you said, they have to win out. I mean, they have to. And these California teams, we beat them before, but that was back when I felt like we had less to lose. So playing with the season on the line, it's good that they're at home, but I mean, this is a tough situation that, I mean, nobody wanted to see them in. And I don't think, obviously, they don't want to be in. Yeah, let's uh, let's. I I have a lot to say about the these upcoming games. Let's let's touch on Arizona before we get too much into the Love into to. the forecast. This Arizona game, wow, that was a great game. That that was inc- that was an incredible game. First of all, Quincy Quincy play- Guerrier was phenomenal. Quincy was playing lights out. I mean, like we. <laughs> I keep touching back and saying like like we've said on previous episodes or like because it's true because of some of the stuff that we say is actually like it's it it holds merit here is that some of it yeah. some of <laughs> some, some of, of the stuff we say some of the stuff we say holds merit and when we talked about somebody like Quincy who is a you know three option it's like there's four, four yeah That's you it. know Fourth. he's he, he's he's the you know the bottom bottom of the starting five option when you get a guy like that going, you have to take full advantage of it. Mm. You have to. I mean, look at the last game that he had when he started going off. What happened? They didn't. They they didn't take advantage of it. I mean, mm. it was it was one of those games where it's like you kind of gotta like you gotta take take what the role players give you. You know, when these role players start popping off and have some of the games of their life, you gotta. You know, well, you gotta, you gotta just go. Like you gotta, you gotta go. Which they did. You know, they they played a really hard game. They they fought back, and it was a really, really, really great game. But the final closing, some meltdown. 
it was absolutely horrible. Yeah. I just want to take a word from you. Like, where's the ball? A travel is called and the game is over. They never got a look. Never got a shot. Uh, it's not there. It's not there at all. I mean, the offense was exceptional. I really don't have anything to to pick at. You know, they were forty five point six percent from the floor. Will scored twenty two. He was back in full effect. Jacob Young still, you know, he's still kind of in that funk a little bit. But I mean, he looked good defensively. He was cutting. He was. He was. I thought he played fine, well enough for us to win. And Folly Dante had a double double. And the po- the lack of post threat is something that we've been hitting on. It was there. Eric Williams, another role player, had nine points. But they could not stop Arizona. And I think the size showed a little bit because Arizona was scoring at will in the paint. And there was really nothing that we could do. And like the last few minutes, like you said, I don't know what Will was thinking. (laughs) I mean, I love the guy, but driving to the basket when you're down by three didn't make a lot of sense at all. There were a few like choices at the end of the game where you're just kind of sitting there like, what what is going on? Like, am, am I in the episode of a like? Am I in a Twilight Zone episode? <laughs> I like I, I feel like I just went through a portal and everything that could go wrong just went wrong. The lack of consistency at the free throw line, what we've been talking about the whole whole season since we started this podcast, is is shows. That's I feel like that one of the number one things, or one of the top things that is really holding us back from being that top tier team is we can't make free throws at a consistent level. And then you add in a a team like Arizona, which we were talking about, which we have been talking about, is that this is this team is very, very, very good. They are a very only one loss, one conference loss. Very, very good team. So in Arizona, you have this opportunity to to upset that team and it just kind of falls apart and not I mean kudos and credits to Arizona they played great like you said they they scored at will in the paint and not only that they they were able to score from the perimeter as well so like schematically it's like how do you stop the post presence you you throw defense at the post presence that just leaves open your perimeter to be scored on so you're kind of picking and choosing where do you want to where do you want to get scored on from but on the other side that's how we lost was shooting ourselves in the foot that last play of Will, no ball movement, taking the ball by himself and kind of trying to drive to the rack and then the defense collapses. and mm-hmm. He couldn't get a look. There, yeah. there was no look. There was no offense set up. There was no, I mean, I was screaming, set a screen. Can we get a pick? Can we get yeah. something? And there was nothing. I mean, it just kind of speaks volumes of maybe where this team is at and where they want to be at because the lack of effort showed at the end. I mean, there there was effort, excuse me, there was effort, but the idea of wanting to win the game seemed like it wasn't there. Yeah, it's kind of like they were playing not to lose. Uh, but I mean, I'm getting into dangerous territory here with this question I'm about to throw at you, but how much of that do you put on coaching? I mean, I know Dane Altman is revered around here, but... I mean, the lack of adjustments this season, I just don't understand it. Yeah, you're right. He is considered, I mean, royalty around here, and and that is kind of dangerous waters, but you you make a point. I mean, he he is known as, like, a very, like, 
you know, a player's coach. Mm-hmm. He he does get the best out of his players. But this season, I mean, you're not wrong. We've seen lack of adjustments. We've seen offensive creativity t- take an all-time dive. We've seen, I will say the defense, the defense has been probably the most impressive thing this season. Yeah, and that very much. itself is, I mean, above mediocre. I mean, you're getting score, you're getting 80 points on you just about almost every other game. It's kind of hard to say like that's a top tier defense, but you're looking at an offense that is is, is there's no offense. There's literally no offense. I don't I don't know if it's maybe the players just kind of taking things into their mm-hmm. own hands, which I highly doubt in a Dana Altman system. For it to be going on as long as it has, I really don't think that's the case at all. I think that you know. And as a as a as a coach, you may see somebody like I mean, you have guys like Will Richardson who can who is in conversation for, you know, Pac-12 player of the year mm. potentially. So maybe you're just letting him do his thing. And maybe you're just letting these guards do their thing. And you're just kind of, you know, hopefully hoping that Dante can do his thing. But there's you got hoping. Yeah, there's yeah. that word hoping in there. You Which gotta, is never a place you should be. Never. You know? Never a place you could be. And and should be. And that Arizona game kind of showed that at the end with, with that play call. Because you would I, I would expect, I did expect more out of Dana Altman. You can only put so much on the players, but looking at it from a different point of view, scheme wise, there was nothing drawn up. There was I I didn't see anything. Any play in the works. Yeah, no, it was it was bizarre, especially for a Dan Allman led team. But I think just nobody fears the post. That's the issue. That's what the issue has been all season. You know, Shane, we had Shane Hoffman on a few weeks ago. He talked about it. Uh, no one fears us down low. And when that happens and you have to rely 100 percent on your guards and you're shooting, you know, 68 times a game from or sorry, like 40 times a game from three, that's just, that's not going to do it. Especially when you're in a funk and you have a bad shooting game and then your confidence dips and then you have no way to respond because Kepnong, you know, Dante had a great game, but Kepnong only got 11 minutes, didn't even get on the board. Uh, I would love to see them give Biddle more time, maybe see what you got in your bench because they do not have a bench. Eric Williams is just as inconsistent as the starters. Scoring wise, I would scoring say, wise, I would say defensively. Oh yeah, he's he's a dog. He, he hustles, but he, he definitely brings brings in his play on the defensive uh-huh. side. No, I think you hit it on the head. I think it's it doesn't look like there's a lot of chemistry either between the players. I just think, you know, I, I hate to give up on the season. I'm not giving up on the season. You know, I actually feel kind of good about these next two games. Oddly enough, this seems very characteristic of this team. You know, they started out struggling. And then it was the UCLA and USC game that kind of brought them out of the mud. Maybe that happens again. They're at home this time. Uh, I would hope there'd be fans in the stands, give them a little juice. But if they win those two games, what do they have next? It's like the UW games. And and we talked about, like, uh, like you mentioned just now, is that this team has gone back and forth. You know, <laughs> they've had mountain peaks and they've had valley lows. They've started off slow, faced some tough teams, bounced back, got momentum, dropped some more games, bounced back, got some momentum, and now here we are. 
it's like, it feel like we're at another low, but we have an opportunity to come back. And that's what we've been talking about. And just about every episode is that the opportunities that not only the men's team, but also the women's team, they set themselves up for opportunities to, to be better, you know? And it's like, we start talking about like, they look great. I don't like, there's maybe one or two things they could work on, but man, we look great. And then they don't look great. Mm. And then it's like, okay, here's another opportunity to get better and be better. But I like how you said there's a lack of chemistry because I, I feel that I, I see it. And maybe there's the, the coaching aspect. Maybe that's it. But I've noticed, especially with this men's, men's team is that they're, is almost like this desire that they need to score every play, like every possession on offense. Yeah, you would like to, but there's, you know, you got to take into consideration you may not score. So let's work on getting the best opportunity to score without, you know, you've mentioned ISO, but also just, you know, taking the ball down when there's 20 seconds left in the shot clock and jacking up a three. Yeah dishing it inside and just kind of being like, all right, it's inside. Now just, just, just try to score. I, you know, I don't think that works as much, especially in college hoops is you should be working to get your best opportunity to score and use the clock to your advantage. And I think seeing team score 80 on us just shows that, you know, there's a lack of time management as well. There's a lack of dynamic play too. I mean, how many alley-oops did Arizona throw down in the first half? Like three, four? We didn't have like a single one all game. You know, haven't had any all season. And that's something you're seeing across the country. So when those happen, those are just demoralizing. You know, and then that puts you even more down in the dumps. And then you're even worse situationally, which they have been. They've had so many cold stretches, late games. This is not the first time they've, you know, flopped late in the game. We saw it against Colorado. We saw it against the UCLA game, even though they were fortunately able to come out with the win. And I hate for us to sound like that. We're, you know, like we're, we're just like bad, 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 bad. Mm. But it's not the case because we have great players. We have a great coach and we have a system built kind of around players who that has the potential to be successful. Like, I think that's why, I feel the need to be so hard and critique so much is because I see the potential. I see the outcome that is on the other side, but it's, we just haven't been able to get there and we have guys that we're going to lose next year. We have yeah. guys that are key pieces to mainly our offensive side of the ball that won't be there next year. So what, what are you, what are they fighting for? You know, number one, that should always be like, if you're a player, you're going in and you got some seniors or some older guys, like, let's get this done for these guys. These guys put in the work. These guys have been here. These guys, you know, for each other. But I don't know if that's there as much. I don't see it as much. Yeah. Yeah. This is different. This is a different, uh, this is a different team. I mean, I was just thinking uh, of teams I've seen in the past. Maybe it's, I mean, I would hope that they get like maybe a transfer next season, but losing Will is going to suck. And I'd like to have him go out on a high note. So hopefully they take care of business. But 
this is tough. This is a tough situation. You know, yeah, it's kind of, I feel depressed talking about it because, you know, we do love this team. Um, but they're not done. They're not done. We have to take a look at the standings. Uh, USC and UCLA are up. They're tied at second. And the Ducks are about two games back. They're at the fourth spot right now. So wins against, you know, Bam Bam wouldn't win would be huge. And I think that would, it doesn't guarantee a tournament berth, but it would, it would take them out of, you know, one, they're not on the exit ramp at that point. So, and that would be just astronomical for their, their confidence and their momentum. And then maybe you get into the tournament and you find a little more juice. Cause I think this team is definitely more seasoned than maybe a few that they might be playing some of the higher seeds, definitely in the Pac-12. You, I know USC with, you know, Isaiah Mobley, they're a little younger. Uh, but, I mean, they're, it's going to be hard fought for sure. Yeah, I have full, actually, I have full confidence that this team could pull out anything. I've, I still have full confidence that they could put put the pieces together and make make a run. And, and not only the Pac-12, but if we get that bid to the tournament, I have I have faith that we can make that run, you know, to wherever the, wherever they want to take us. But there's the things that we've been talking about that they got to put together. Um, but this, it almost feels like that we're playing in the tournament already. You know, like we're all we're like one win, one loss away from these are tournament games, right? Yeah, exactly. That we're that we're already in that mode that we're one loss away from being, you know, the the goals and aspirations going away with one loss. But we. We have the two LA teams, which, I mean, I think well, we've beat them before. I think we can beat them again. Hell yeah! What are your predictions? Let's get, let's get into that. UCLA, USC, and then UW, Washington State. How do you think they? How do they come out of this? I mean, I would love to see a four zero. I I would love to, and it's possible, and it's not like something that is out of, like completely um, out of sight. You know the. Mm-hmm. The uh, road trip to Arizona, we kind of talked about that 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 was going to be a real big test, and it was. But I think these games at home, um, we really have an opportunity to to turn it around. Like we've done it before, and that's that's what get, makes me optimistic about this all is that we've done it before, and these are teams that we've beat before. And every I single one of them, we beat every. Every one of these single teams. one, yeah. yeah. We have an opportunity to sweep these teams for the season, and I think we really do have their number. And at mm-hmm. home, that would say a lot against the Big LA time. teams at home. I'm telling you, the place is going to be rocking. We're going to have an opportunity to really bring it together. Don't be surprised if you see this team come together like we haven't seen them before in the season. I think these next four games will be the best games that we've had this season. And we've had some pretty impressive wins and some pretty impressive gameplay out of players, but I think these four are are the games to define us who we are this season. All right, well, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll let you be the cheerleader and the good guy here. I do think they beat UCLA. I think that's a win, especially coming off such a close game against Arizona. They're going to feel the urgency. USC is the game I think they drop. I just don't know. With with Isaiah Mobley down there, it was Evan Mobley, big bro, that killed us last season. Uh, I don't know how Dante is going to play. Played him great the first time, uh, but we're just going to have to see. And then Washington, Washington State, I think those are two wins right there. And then after that, you know, we'll see. I really don't know. I don't know. I mean, a lot could change in these four games. 
So it's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. USC will be will be a big testament, but we'll see how the bigs hand, handle, man. The bigs have been the the topic of discussion. Kepnon, come on, man. Yeah. We want to see the Step fire. I wanna, yeah, I want to see him. I want to see him do great. Uh, products, shall we get into it? Products. Carlos, who is our product for this week? The man, the myth, the legend, mm. Tyler Dorsey. Tyler Dorsey. Deep fans will remember him and the big three. He's a uh, Ducks men's basketball alum. Uh, him, Jordan Bell, Dylan Brooks, they were part of that group that took us to the Final Four for the first time in decades. Uh, he's playing right now over in the Euro League and just won Greek Cup MVP. He recorded 21 points on 7 for 13 shooting. Congrats to Dorsey. Yeah, and seeing that, when I saw that, I instantly got flashbacks mm-hmm. to to that team and to that excitement, man. It was like, it was so exciting. And I think that that team, all the teams coming through have a lot to live up to when it comes to that team right there. Because that team was impressive. I mean, that team was great. I, we... I mean Jordan Jordan Bell. He has he has his ring. He had his time in the NBA. I Golden State, right? Yeah. yeah, I think he's still trying to make his way back. Dylan Brooks. I mean, what more can you say about that guy? And then Tyler Dorsey. I mean, the guy was incredible and still is playing. If to our listeners, playing overseas is still ball, and playing oh, yeah. in the Euro League is comparable, right? To the second, it's like second tier from the NBA. That's where Luca came from, correct? Correct, Slovenia. Yeah. Yeah, and they're saying the Euro League is really comparable to like maybe the G League or a step above the G League. So winning the, you know, winning the Greek Cup MVP is is huge. And he did it in style. I mean, 21 points. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe we should change the segment to like Ducks overseas. I don't know. We had Soto last week, Tyler this week. But yeah, Tyler's a great player. He was played in the NBA for a bit. I believe Atlanta Hawks had him. Uh, so, you know, hopefully he'll get to get back. But right now he's cleaning up in the EuroLeague and uh, we're happy for him. Happy to hear his name again. Yes, you know, sir. It's been a while. And we have, uh, there are um, more segments coming up because there's, things are transitioning. We got basketball and coming back from the All-Star break mm. in full swing. And uh, there are a couple um duck players i don't have their names on right now but the uh usfl got drafted in there yeah uh, yeah gus Cumberlander, one of our defensive ends did but uh yeah we got the combine coming up so we're gonna have some ducks get drafted uh yeah very excited it's yeah. gonna be good good a uh, few next weeks uh so yeah i think that does that do it i think that does it all right guys well thank you for tuning in to another episode we will be back as always next week and peace out peace